Hello and welcome back to the Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And this week, uh, we are going back to the future. <laughs> to the past. We're going to 1984 uh-huh. and their version of 19 or of 2029, which is just piles of skulls in 1984's the Terminator. The Terminator. The There's still time. We could Terminator. have piles of skulls and underkillers or whatever they're called by. I just want to know how those skulls got to be so crispity so quickly. That's all I want to know. Just have a question about the piles of skulls in 2029. All right. Before we get started with mm-hmm. you know, skull piles and the worlds in which those exist, uh, how was your week? My week, actually, so far, which has only been a couple of days. It's the last week of Oh, my gosh. We had a break in the weather. Yes. Although it ends tomorrow. Sorry, bud. Yes. But (laughs) we had a break in the weather for one day, for one glorious day. The first, today is, we're recording on the first day of spring. spring. Mm -hmm. It is the 20th of March. It is beautiful out, although the heater is on because it is a little chilly. Chilly. It's always chilly in my bedroom. But the sky... It's a beautiful shade of blue. I do believe by midnight it's going to be raining again. <laughs> Sorry. So how was your week? Uh, it was good. Good. It was good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna project that I will be more productive next weekend than I was last weekend. Okay. And so by the time this comes out, I will say I've had a very productive weekend and week. Ah. Creatively productive. Let me be specific. Not capitalistically productive. I mean, I'll get the work done I need to get done. I will also have things edited, and we will have more of our other podcast up, mm-hmm. and I will paint something. God damn it. <laughs> I got. I was very excited because our coworker bought some acrylic paints and oh. was painting this weekend, and she's like, I got to paint, and I was like, I'm jealous, Is and she I'm enjoying happy this? for you. Yes. Okay, good. It's an interesting outlet. Uh, I am... Um... Between finishing my other writing, I sit and try to draw. Yeah, because you're a good drawer. And it takes a while for me to get in the headspace to do that as opposed Mm -hmm. to this. It's a different thing. Right. It's a completely different thing. It uses a different part of my brain. Yeah. So, um... I really look forward to a time uh when I have a space that is dedicated to arts and crafts where I can just go there and it is basically ready for me to go. And when I'm done, I can just leave it. Right. Instead of, okay, well, now I have to spend 20 minutes putting everything out and then another 20 minutes on the back end putting everything away because who knows how long until the next time and I need to use my desk for work. Like, it's just... That's the great thing about writing. I can pull out my laptop and just be ready to go. Yeah. However, it does require that same sort of withdrawing. Yes. There's um there's some nice programs that you can get like I like Scrivener because it basically shuts down all of my other apps, uh-huh. but there are like concentration apps you can get so that you're not over on Google when you should be mm. writing your things, <laughs> even when you're. The problem, of course, is when you write in Google. Oops, stupid right. Google Docs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's that. I am looking forward to having a dedicated space where I can just walk away. When I'm done, and mm-hmm. then like in the morning, I wake up super early. Like I was up, I was up before five this morning. Mm. I was awake before five. I was think I woke up at like four thirty-seven. Wow. It's cold, so I don't want to get up right then. Right. 
but give me an hour. And by 5.30, I would have gotten up and gone somewhere to paint if there was painting that I could have done. Painting or swimming. Those are the two things I would like to do in the morning. Hmm. <laughs> I'm... I dream. I dream of a time for a, a swimming class. Um, my physical therapist yeah. is telling me that it won't actually help me get better, but it is good exercise for me once I am better. It is good. It. it I think it will help you. Uh, I don't think it'll hurt. I think the thing is, I still have the issues with my shoulders, but right. it will absolutely help. But if back. you can find a way to f- relax your body, which you uh, still haven't yet, right. so I don't know if you will. It may help you with the flexibility by just letting your body do what it wants to do and letting mm. it float. This man doesn't float. This man sinks like a rock. So I don't know. I don't know how it will go for you. You need to just maybe nice. get high before you get into the water or something. <laughs> Sounds like a recipe for disaster. Well, no. As If you are with a, an instructor or me, yeah. you'll be fine. Why? Because it is impossible to sink near me because I am... A human flotation device. <laughs> I can't sink, even if I wanted to. You have to put a lot of rocks in my bathing suit. Uh, uh, that's just my nature. I sink, therefore I am. Yeah, sure. And I float. All the parts of me. Boop, boop, boop. <laughs> <laughs> right up to the top. All right, you want to get started on this sure. movie? So we have discussed Terminator 2. Mm-hmm. Judgment Day. Way back in June, July of last year, July twenty eighth. Wow! And uh, I found that to be a better movie. What do you think? <laughs> I think that it is. This is having understood more about the making of the film. This mm-hmm. was a very low budget film. You you went on a tear today right. and learned about a bunch of stuff. Right. How to do with this and the movie. fact that this film got made at all is kind of remarkable. And so. From a person who started wanting to be, by wanting to be a filmmaker, um, it, I find stories like this inspiring, how you can essentially just sort of scrape together the talent and make the arrangements and do all, you know, get this done and it winds up becoming this huge success that makes everyone's careers. So on the one hand, I enjoyed that more and it is, it has very much a low budget film aesthetic. On the other hand, the other film... And a fun Bill Paxton cameo. The second film is a better constructed movie. And it it has a... a, uh, I think the first film was shot as and attempting to be sort of an exploitation film. The second film was more of a mainstream movie. Gotcha. Yeah, that feels right. right. And if I wanted to go back to check one of them out, it mm-hmm. wouldn't be this one, I don't okay. think. Um, overall, I thought it was fine. Uh-huh. I also have seen all the movies since 1984, so right. there's a lot of retreading. What this movie is more than the first one is it is sweatier. Uh-huh. Um, there's more of Arnold Schwarzenegger's butt, told you. And there's more f- fucked up parentage in this one. <laughs> it's, um, I'm still not sure, and I have seen all of the right. Terminator films. No, I haven't. I've not seen Salvation. Okay. Maybe that's the one that'll tell me. 
Did he send Kyle Reese back in time to knock up his mother? Mm, that's not what it suggests here, but I can understand why you would think that. Well, it's what happened. Right. And if you hadn't sent her back, him back, presumably, he would never be born. But did he know that? Like, did she ever... He has a picture of her. Right. From after he's already gone. Uh Right. We see that picture be taken at the very end of the movie. Does John Connor have a picture of Kyle Reese? (laughs) And then look at his buddy and go, well, gross. (laughs) But you gotta go. (laughs) Like, I don't... What the fuck? Now, I think maybe Salvation will have an answer for me. I have not brought myself to the point of wanting to see Salvation. Right. I saw the one after Salvation with all the ladies in it. Which I liked. Um, Salvation might also tell me why there's so many just dry skulls on the ground. <laughs> so we You're see a flash this. forward uh-huh. to 2029. Okay. Well, yes, because here's the thing. And I told you this last night. Mm-hmm. Piles of skulls don't just happen. Like, we, humans create them, typically. Right. Even uh, in a fe- like a battlefield where, where soldiers have fallen, it takes months and months and months for skulls to just be dry and crispy the way that they are in this scene in, in L.A. So what the fuck happened? Like, do their weapons burn all our flesh off of our bodies? Is that what's going on? Because then... Fine, a body falls, and then it's just a skeleton, and now we have piles of, of skeletons that we can crush. But without that piece of information, what is happening <laughs> where there are just so I many dry skulls? You might be overthinking it. I think it was an image used. And they just it, thought it looked cool? Well, I think that it's shit a, is evocative of, sadly, of concentration camps or... The issues of, or, or rather, um, the uh, killing fails, which is another thing but that seems to be referenced. Skeletons, right. typically. But I the think the bodies that's, are mushy. Right. Well, <sighs> I think that they not great for robots. Right. Let's be fair, and I know it's not robots, cyborgs, whatever. But I gotta think. You were talking about the crispity, crunchy, crispity, crunchy skeletons. So they just thought it looked cool. I James Cameron just was like, "This looks neat, so we're doing it." Well, he's a very visual director, as it turns out, and he yes, uh, because he's not good at writing. No, <laughs> he uh, admittedly there were large parts of this lifted both from the New Testament and particularly from. Uh, Harlan Ellison's uh, right, uh, his episodes of yeah. Outer Limits to the point where at the end of the episode or the the yeah, the, right. the the print that we watched it said, "Thanks a lot, Harlan Ellison." <laughs> Special shout out right to Harlan Ellison. You but sued he, us and won. He apparently your he, fucking his journey to this, if he's to be credited, started with the image of a robot skeleton rising from a burning heap, which is an image in the film, and that's yes. how the movie started for him. Yes. Um, so he cobbled together a story from various sources that would cover that, and the end result was he did it from sources that found this actionable, and they wound up suing it. 
Yeah, because he admitted on television right. that he had stolen some sh- from a dude who was a known asshole. Well, he's... Sorry, everyone. There's a lot of hullabaloo. Mm. Yeah, he, Arlen Ellison is, is a very prickly man. That's, yeah, sure. Or was. So, <laughs> he, yeah, he, he's... Um, I'm sure he saw an opportunity and just said, no, you can't. And to to be fair, it is, it, I remember John Brosnan in his book, Future Tense, he's talking about science fiction films in general. Mm-hmm. And he said that one of the things that bothered him about films like Star Wars or, or in this case, The Terminator, is how they kind of use actual written science fiction like a junkyard. Yeah. Where they just take parts. Also, I... Is it weird that I don't consider Star Wars sci-fi? Um, it's, it's no. It's fantasy. It's fantasy and it uses a lot of science fiction elements. Sure. Just because uh, it's in space doesn't necessarily mean it's it science fiction. I feel like, imagery and iconography. I feel like uh, Dune falls under this right. similar category. Although, even even Star Wars specifically, the, them telling us it's in the past mm. is like, oh, it's like medieval space. Mm. <laughs> All right. Do, was there anything else you wanted to talk about about the making of this movie? There's a lot, watched... but we should probably talk about it as we go along. Okay. Um, so, fundamentally, woof. Fundamentally, what happens is uh, two naked men fall out of the sky in L.A. Uh, both mug people for their clothing. One steals his pants from a homeless guy, and the other one goes to Bill Paxton and two of his uh, sort of stoner biker buddies and then kills, you know, both of them. Um, And then takes their clothes. Mm -hmm. Uh, We find out that one of them is the Terminator sent back to kill all the women named Sarah Connor. And the other is Kyle Reese sent back to impregnate Sarah Connor. <laughs> Not explicitly, but implicitly. No, I think that was uh, supposed to be one of the strange twists in the film, is that he's the father of the person who, in the future, will be his friend uh, and leader. And he, according In 1984, to... had there been few enough time travel movies yes. that that would be a strange twist? Yeah, there was. Because... It's if you've ever seen any science fiction movie, it's not a strange it, twist. This film is going, well, and we're going to have the same issue with Psycho, I think, and we're going to have the same issue with some of the other films that we have ahead of us on the list. Yeah, King Kong's another one, where so much, or we did kind of with ET, where so much has been borrowed from this yeah, movie. Yeah, no, that's true. That in the end, it's sort of like diminished in a way because everyone's taken a little bit piece of this and put it into the middle of their, their yeah, film. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it just is wild right. to me if he doesn't know. You know when you're sending him back to. You know when you were born. Mm-hmm. You understand the length of human gestation. Right. So she gets pregnant. It's a small window. It's like a four-day window. Like mm-hmm. there's, I, mm. And now she did have a date that did stand her up. So maybe she had sex with him the night before. I don't know. She's a waitress. She, the, what she we're talking about, is a very underdeveloped Linda Hamilton. She looks like a normal lady in this movie. Not like she will punch you so hard your teeth will fly out of your face. 
which is as something, she does later. Right, <laughs> and, and I, I like the idea that she develops as a character in that second film. Mm-hmm. Um, well, but judging she develops as a character in kind of in between. Those well, two she films. she transitions in the beginning of the film. She's a very put upon waitress. Yes, yes, in this one. Yes, in this one, we the first time that we see her, she's a very put upon waitress, and she dating a dude who's. Right. Not great, it seems like. We we never meet him. And no. she has a roommate. But she, she he stands her up last minute on a Friday right. night. It sucks. You don't have to work, you lying sack of shit. You're going out with somebody else. She has a roommate who... And this is... Uh, these are characters... What I know about her roommate is she, ha- he has, a, she has a boyfriend named Matt. Uh, I think <laughs> kind of what the message of this film seems to be is the, the reliance on technology. Yeah. Her roommate will listen to headphones and sort of bopping around yeah. all throughout the movie. That's her character. Yeah. To the point to where, I think it's kind of funny, she's actually having sex with her boyfriend and still has her headphones plugged in. That's wild to me. You don't have a on. thing where everybody could listen to the music? Like, how bad is your music where everybody is like, right. no, 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 no. Headphone up, girl. I don't need to hear it. And, to the, and so later on when the Terminator actually finds... Cause uh, when it re- when Schwarzenegger's uh, Terminator comes back in time, he's also wearing a terrible wig in this, and I don't know why. I, I right when he lands, he uh, isn't right. But I think after he's injured, right, his hairline is all fucked well, up. Remember, and I is, think it might be because they uh, were adding wounds and stuff, and like they were get him to stick. trying to get increase the size of his head too, because one of the things that they wanted to do uh, was to make it to seem as if there were as as uh, Reese describes earlier in the film, there were layers of skin that got pulled off. Right. So you do that in that case by pulling building up the head and right. so now his head is yeah. bigger. Yeah, there there's and, just some weird uh-huh. silhouette shots of him where that like the back on his, uh, his hair doesn't rest against his neck. Mm-hmm. It's like you see his neck well, and then hair is like this out was also here. really it's just a weird early days for like, wig. <laughs> for um for we were talking at one point about the one of the conversations they were having, and you're like, this is actually pretty good. And I was like, yeah, um, there are two other writers on this than James Cameron, and one of them wrote this. Uh, Stan Winston, I'm sorry. Oh, Stan. Okay, so Stan Winston, this is early days for him. He was recommended to the job because the producer, Gail Ann Hurd, who had been previously a line producer for Roger Corman. Yes. And uh, uh, James Cameron had worked for Roger Corman, so when you're watching movies like Escape from New York or something, Roger Corman's visual effects and his production design are in those films. It is wild to me that she went from Roger Corman, no money, uh-huh. to James Cameron. All the money. Well, but in between. I know. He there was wasn't no, all the money right. at this point, at this I point, know. But like, it's yeah. just interesting to me that the, that's sort of the span. One of the people who... Uh, was recommended to do this robot human transition was going to be Dick Smith, who we're going to see his work on The Exorcist. And that's really what elevated him as a premier makeup artist. And he said, after having read the script, handed it over to Stan Winston and told him, this is the guy that you want to work with. You know um, something weird? What? Galen Hurd is my mother's exact age. 
Okay. She was born on October 25th, 1955. That's my mother's oh. exact birthday. Sorry, I just, I'm just i just scrolling through mm-hmm. her, or, uh, her IMDb. But That's very weird. That would explain why he looks stranger. Um, a lot of what they wanted to accomplish was done practically. It was done live on set, including building the mechanical puppet that winds up being... Um, Later in the film, when the Terminator has its uh, cybernetic or his skin burned off, which was the image that started the the idea for the film in the first place. Right. Okay. So, what do we have? We have two men falling from the sky. Mm-hmm. Um. It it seems to hurt Kyle yeah. pretty significantly, and I don't know if it's the action or just the fall on the land. Mm-hmm. Uh. And they're both looking for Sarah Connor. And Sarah Connor uh, has been stood up, so she decides she's going to go to a movie and let her uh, roommate have the house because she'd gotten a call earlier from Matt and uh, knew what their plans were, and she didn't want to hear it. So she was like, I'm going to go. Enjoy your evening. I'm going to go to the movies. And she bounces. Um, And earlier she had seen that one Sarah Connor had been killed, and then when she's out, eating, I think she's eating dinner at a bar, um, she sees that another Sarah Connor has been killed. So she's now, she starts calling the police who don't have a line set up for her. So they keep trying to pass her around, even though they are looking for Sarah Connors mm-hmm. and are calling them out. Police? Disorganized? No. How? how, how? Police in L.A. disorganized. And who are the police in this movie? It's Lance Henriksen and Paul Winfield. Lance Henriksen and Paul... Now, Lance Henriksen, oddly... So, James Cameron gets the idea for this film, right? He passes these sketches on to Stan Winston and to other people in an attempt to get it made. And he wants Lance Henriksen to be the Terminator. Interesting. And Henriksen really loved this idea. He took him to a production meeting, or rather he goes to a production meeting with Cameron with tinfoil over his teeth and makeup scratches on his face to try to simulate what he would look like as a Terminator. And, uh, you know, uh, climbing up, he... he, That uh, is some James Cameron ass shit. You know what he did for Aliens, right? No. He literally walked into the pitch meeting and he wrote on a whiteboard, Alien, Mm -hmm. and then S with a dollar sign through it, and they fucking greenlit that shit. Gross. Well, in this case, he was desperately trying to get somebody to back this film. Okay. And so he... He, he brings, wasn't there yet. No. He fucking just... No. <laughs> he brings Lance Henriksen done up in this weird kind of very low-rent kind of makeup way. Uh, Henriksen, who's a very good actor, apparently was sitting in an office waiting for Cameron to show up, scaring the hell out of everybody else who was in the office because he was doing a full Lance Henriksen robot. And, that would be pretty fucking scary, I think. And he he really wanted that part. And early production sketches obviously are modeled on Lance Henriksen as the Terminator. And Arnold Schwarzenegger is Kyle Reese. And he was sent the script for the part. He had finished doing Conan the Barbarian. He had done the sequel to Conan, but it hadn't been released yet. And I didn't say what. Yeah, and so they're like, "Well, he's going to be perfect. He will make the great. He'll make a great hero." Yes, script, because. Human is exactly how Arnold Schwarzenegger reads. Well, the script gets sent now, to yes. Schwarzenegger, no. and he's looking at it and says that tells 
his agent, I don't want to play the good guy. The robot has the much better part. And he, and this is one of the funnier stories that came out of this was uh, James Cameron and Linda, nobody wanted Arnold Schwarzenegger to play this robot. That's really funny. And so they, um, so Cameron agreed to meet with him because Schwarzenegger had just come out of the Conan movies. He's powerful enough that you don't blow him off. Right. He had come out of the Conan movies. He had had all this stuff behind him, all this production money promoting him as Arnold Schwarzenegger, the new star. So even if he was not nearly Arnold Schwarzenegger as we know him now, he still had enough momentum behind him to where somebody would greenlight the movie based on whether he accepted it or not. So James Cameron actually told some of his special effects friends and, and associates, I'm going to go pick a fight with him, and hopefully he will be either so angry at me... He just will hate me and he, he will hate me, work with me. Or he might actually beat the hell out of me, which is what he was worried about. He's like, I don't know this guy. He's temperamental, so maybe he will beat me up. But have you ever put hands on somebody? No, he I hadn't, but he's again... He's professional. Like, he's not... At the same time, they didn't know who Arnold Schwarzenegger was, aside from the fact that he cleaves people in half with a giant sword in the movies. So that's what he thought. He... Right? James Cameron knows what a movie is, right? Well, he does, but he didn't... <laughs> I don't maybe he doesn't, though. <laughs> he didn't know at the time who Arnold Schwarzenegger was, right? Oh, my God. So he goes... To, he actually tells people, just in case, I might be hurt for a while. This feels to me like the, the way that I feel like black actors are treated. Right. Now. I guess that... That just... But he, well, and again, remember, I mean, this granted, is, he's also saying I'm going in and picking a fight with him. So 1983, yeah. right? So he's doing this film. The only films that Schwarzenegger was famous for was the incredible jerk competitor in Pumping Iron, which he later admitted he played into for the sake of the, the people who made the documentary. They really wanted him to play the villain in this movie. Um, and then playing, uh, he did Hercules in New York. And then he did Conan, where he spent the entire movie mostly naked, hitting things with a sword. So nobody knows anything about it. I guess, but like... So, uh, and also bodybuilding on that level was not a thing back then. No, that's true. No, and so, it's, it's barely a thing now. Right. They just, yeah, it's fine. They didn't know what his deal was. Okay. So when, when James Cameron meets him uh, at this dinner, I mean at this uh, lunch, along with another producer... A, a a situation that Arnold Schwarzenegger is going into wholeheartedly wanting to pitch himself for this role right. and thinking that he's got a real meeting with somebody. Yes. That's fucked up. Go ahead. <laughs> is they, I mean, he Cameron won says, over, apparently. <laughs> he was, well, the minute he goes, I want to play the robot, it's like he looks at this really, and Schwarzenegger has a very, uh, I remember hearing a reviewer Shizzled mention this. ass face. This cubist head. Yeah, he does. Like, and so he began to no, think about it. like a fucking robot. Right. So he's looking at this guy and he looks, because his whole idea was the robot's supposed to be able to blend in with people. But that was going to be... Because here's the thing, though. Uh, Schwarzenegger can blend in with people. You know why? He's five foot ten. <laughs> he's not six foot tall, everybody. He's six foot tall in the motorcycle boots he wears almost all of the time. They have a two inch lift on them. Not right. lifts, but like... yeah. He's as tall as I am. He can definitely blend in. 
And well, he's also the other at this point is, not as wide as the rock or something. He's not Right. He he also when Cameron talked about shooting this film, he's like, Okay, at first I thought he just looks too weird and fantastic to blend in, but then he thought, But we're in LA. The whole film takes place in LA. You know, he works out on Venice Beach with a bunch of other guys who are as big and wide as he is. So yes. Inside this culture, he would not be out of place. Right. Um, so, LA. It, you know, if yeah. we were setting this in Nebraska, there might be an issue. Right. right? But here, everyone. It, it's what I think of every time I see The Rock playing a guy. Right. Like, if the. If I was in any movie with The Rock and he was, like, hitting on me, mm-hmm. like, he hits on women in bars every once in a while. Very rarely. His mm-hmm. his care, his whole persona is very desexualized, which is a choice, but whatever. I would literally just laugh and be like, we can't have a conversation until we get past why you look the way that you look. You clearly work out more than you sleep. Right. No human body looks like this fucking just because. Like, you... We can't you we can't have any kind of conversation until I understand what this is about. <laughs> I, I guess because one of my really good friends all through high school was a professional bodybuilder. Sure. And, and he, if he said professional <clears throat> bodybuilder, I'd be like, right. great, check. Next next thing. Great. I need to know I just need a right. you cannot be a fucking mechanic and look like that. Well, that's you can't kind of, be a fucking bus driver and look like that. That is sort of with uh, these very physical kind of action stars because we we saw um, we've seen before when we're watching a film like Spartacus or yeah. whatever. Here's a physical actor. Here's yeah. someone like Kirk Douglas yeah. who was an athlete in their youth, transitioned into doing action parts. Yep. And uh, even someone like Chris Pratt today, right. when he is cut down, uh-huh. he still looks like. A human man. Right. And so... The Rock does not look there like are some, a human man. There are some people who, like, starting in about the 80s, we started having uh, kickboxers, like John claude for instance, who's another guy who was just ridiculously shaped. You're looking right. and going... I remember watching um, Kickboxer going, where's his body fat? I didn't see it like... Where, where he sweated is... it off before it came to <laughs> right, fat. But right. There were, where you started getting these... Kickboxers, professional weight act, weightlifters, these people, those became our action stars starting in the eighties. This film was part of that. Um, but anyhow, going back to the story, uh, Schwarzenegger had convinced Cameron that he could do the part, and so Henriksen was relegated to this other He's part good in the it. film. He's always good, though. Right, he's always we good. Love, in, we stay in a Lance Henriksen in this house. What did I watch him in so much when I was younger? What TV show was he in? Oh, uh, God. You, you watched that when you were younger? Or how young were you? Because that show, Millennium? No, was... that wasn't the one. Okay. There's another show. Let me show. see. Nope. I am getting him mixed up in my brain with Roy Scheider. I apologize to both oh. men. I was thinking about Sequest. And I'm sorry. Okay. So I... <laughs> <laughs> Millennium is probably craggly faced white men. They all look the same to me. Call me racist. It's fine. Um, so she sees Kyle mm-hmm. and she hides in a club. Who's now Michael Bean. That's the actor they saw. Michael Bean. Uh-huh. 
and she calls the police. She calls her roommates to say, "Hey, um, you need to come get me. I think I'm being followed. I think someone's after me. Like more Sarah Connors are dying. I really need you to come get me." Sadly, um, her roommate and her roommate's friend have been marked. Would you like to address the iguana in the room as well? Oh, uh, Sarah Connor's a weirdo because she does have a pet iguana that she lets free range in her house. That's the weird part. We have a turtle. Mm-hmm. We have a cat. That's all I'm going to say for right now <laughs> for legal reasons. Um, so have the pets you want to have. But don't just let a, an iguana wander all over your house. You're going to get salmonella. Well, on top of that, iguanas... They will pee on a thing and you will get a disease. They, they, they You're also... You're going to get pink eye. They will bite. They will bite. We had an iguana when I was younger. It never bit me. Oh, okay. It also was not as big as her and it doesn't... It depends. It's... Not all of them will bite. They have tempers just like everything else, but... Well, fair enough. They're a living animal. I, I thought... Because I, I thought the idea was supposed to be when you're watching this film, that there's a, like, her roommate's constantly plugged into her headphones. Yeah. Um, there's a kind of an ironic scene where the, the Terminator is wandering through her house after having shot her roommate oh, and yes. beat the daylights out of her lover, uh, where the answering machine starts. And That's it's, right. You know, machines need love, too. That's her, part of her um Oh, her, her answering machine message. Right. Ironic. Which, yeah, it's, it's laid over the image of Schwarzenegger's Terminator, like, stalking and shooting her dad, uh, Sarah Connor's roommate, thinking it's Sarah Connor. Yes. Uh, but, um, yeah, so I thought that was the message of it. I thought yeah. maybe that's the reason why she has something as primitive and rudimentary as an iguana as a pet. Oh, maybe. This having been said, I love reptiles, so you it's do. not critical in any way. No. As we're sitting but here. But don't I'm, just let it free range. Right, that's I'm looking at a strange. picture of Godzilla over your head, which is very Yes. Funny. There's also one over there. Yes. And over there. Everywhere you look, there's and a... also little versions of it might be... And there's a bedspread with Godzilla on it. Could you so, hear that? Is... <laughs> The number one image in this one. <laughs> I like reptiles, so that's not the problem. But yes, I thought maybe that was what they were going for. Um, she calls uh, her roommate to pick her up at a club called Tech Noir. Tech Noir. Which Gail Ann Hurd said was the style that they tried to emulate in the film, a yeah. film noir, yeah. but a high-tech film noir. Sure. I um, see that. They used a disused restaurant. You can see that a lot on the coloring right. uh, of, the, of the whole thing. It's very dark. They used a disused restaurant and asked just people to come off the street to be as extras. And then she goes, the next night, they were trying to get in. There was like a there right. were like, there were actual people now. thinking it's a club. And she's turning them away going, which we so desperately needed money for the budget. Fair, I felt like, like we should take the money. There were in, in Chinatowns, both mm-hmm. in LA and in San Francisco and in some other places, there were... Chinatown, like Chinese restaurants that had punk shows in them mm-hmm. because nobody else wanted to have punk shows right. in them. And so it was a way to sort of diverse. So that was like a big thing. So this would be like a weird 80s version There's of that. A, I like how, in retrospect, how 80s it was because I think it captured a time really well. Everything about the film... It's a little before my version of right. the 80s, because I was four when this movie was uh, released. So, if this is what it was like, I believe you. I lived in Clear Lake and was four. So, I don't... This mm. is... We didn't even have VH1 yet. 
Right, but everything... <laughs> we didn't have MTV until the 90s. The so. weird hairstyles, I think, now that I look at them, they're strange. And A lot of hairspray, a lot of Aquanet happening. Yeah, there was just so much looking at it going, you know, and again, I, I have no hair. Um, but we should say that um, the Terminator does go to a gun store, uh, picks out a bunch of guns, right. and then it um, just takes them because he shoots the owner of the gun store, the person who's running the gun store. And he's I played by thought, Zick Miller, who's a old school Roger Corbin yeah. I just thought, I would always presume that that's what was going to happen to me if somebody came in and asked for this many weapons all at once and knew exactly. He's like, you really know your guns. I'm like, you're going to die. But uh, I guess, though, he deals with people like that all the time and has not been shot yet. So, But yeah, as soon as he starts putting the bullet in the gun, he's like, you can't do that. I'm like, well, here we go. Right. You're going to stop him? Because I don't think you're going to stop him. I don't think you're going to stop him. And I'm pretty sure he's, oh, yep, you're dead now. Uh... But yeah, she he shows up to the club. There's a big he gun shows up fight. to the club. Kyle shows up now. Kyle and the Terminator are both in the club, uh-huh. and Kyle doesn't know what the Terminator looks like. So until he makes a move on Sarah, mm-hmm. he doesn't know who to target. I'm like, I would target the person with a large gun. <laughs> That's what I would do, but. You know, you do. You and I, do, I <laughs> didn't realize that the line "Come with me if you want to live" actually is in this film. It's in this originally, movie. right? To be, I think Christopher Eccleston says it in the first season or the first episode of his Doctor Who run too. I think. Really, I think yeah, I so. Think so. Well, maybe, I think yeah. he does. I think he says it to Rose, like right at the beginning. Anyways, um, so then there's chases. Lots of chases. And the whole rest of this movie takes place, like, at night? Like, yeah. it's, it's really well, a it's short not period of time. Quite exactly, because they stop off to That's make true. love at a hotel somewhere. Um, and Adrenaline does things to her, I guess. Right. And they, they feel that they, they know each other. And the next morning, is it goes on from there. He's and been pining for her chase. since right. the very first time he saw that picture. That his friend showed him of her, his mom, now, who is you, like a folk figure. Right. Like, she's a folk hero to this kid, to this guy. He's not a kid. Let's not do that, because, well, because technically, she's, like, old enough to be his grandmother. Oh, yeah, I suppose so. Right? Yeah. His, him not being born Thank yet. That's just... <laughs> That's an image I didn't... Mean. Like, he's probably 16 years out from being born or so. Yeah. He's probably in his early 30s. But he... Um, <laughs> um, yeah, he... The rest of the film is a long chase. I like the yeah. fact that all of the exposition is delivered while they're on the run. It is. It's so, done well. Yeah, it's not at a point... There's only one point where they There's a they lot stop. of exposition dumps, but right. you're hearing it well... There are explosions and, and right. fighting happening. So it's like, oh, okay. I guess I could follow this. And basically, yeah. you know, the AI come to life and then kill us. And then we fight back. Skynet, but we covered all that last time. <laughs> yes. So this Terminator is sent back in time to kill her before mm-hmm. she can have the, the leader of the resistance. And... Uh, she doesn't know why any of this is happening to her. She's just a fucking waitress in L.A. And the reason that it's happening to her is because her son sent this dude back 
That's literally the only yeah. reason. <laughs> so well, they sent they sent the robot back first. Understood. They, but if Kyle right. had never okay. been sent back in time, then she would not be the leader of any or like the mother of any resistance because she wouldn't be the mother of anyone. Um, but yeah, we find out that like she's hearing mm-hmm. from him how he how she raises her son, which is weird. Cause we never see that. We never see her actually do this raising of her son. Because in the next one, she's been doing it so so good and so hard that she has been separated from right. her son as an abusive Mother, she's also breaking a lot of laws. So there's that. So she's in prison, right, in the second one. So mm-hmm. we hear a lot about how she raises her kid, but we never actually see her doing, like, any of it. Because um, I think they're together for, like, two days in the second movie. Like, it's, once again, these movies don't span a long time. Yeah. Shit is and what's urgent. Is that I didn't realize Earl Bowen, who plays the psychiatrist, was in this film as well. I have not seen this movie for a very long time. Yeah, well, what is your history? Did you didn't see I it saw it out. on television. Oh, okay. So like um, 87? Right. And there was... It, it is... I mean, by then I had seen um, Outer Limits. I'd seen Soldier, what? the episode that it was taken from. I'd seen um, The Man Who Wasn't There, who also was an Outer Limits episode written by... I think it was also written by Harlan Ellison that it lifted from considerably. And I had, um, I'd seen Westworld, which it also lifts a lot of the ending from. Yes. Uh, so it seemed to me to be kind of recycling those elements. It was very fast paced. And there's a lot of sort of spectacular, a lot of the special, uh, the stunts in the end of it were done using visual effects. Yeah. Because they couldn't afford to do, you know. Yeah. Later on, when they did uh, the second film, he's using an actual truck and he's doing. Yeah. But here, it's done with a lot of really well done design miniatures. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of car stealing chases. Mm-hmm. The Terminator is just coming because that's the whole right. thing with this thing. It's relentless. He's going to come until you stop him. Right. He's not going to stop on his own. His job is to wipe out all the Sarah Connors and. She's not wiped out yet. And I presume now at this point, we know this is the one? He knows this is the one? Well, it's the only one left in the phone book. Is it? He did get all yeah. the other ones? That's why I wasn't sure mm-hmm. how many he got. Um, yeah, and then they end up at the police station for a while. The The psychiatrist is like, this dude's batshit crazy. And then, of course, the Terminator shows up at the police station and decimates them, just like in the first one, I mean, the second one. Right, exactly. There really do There's a, a lot of, hey, remember that from this? We're right. doing it again, but with more people. Probably. There's a lot of... I remember a friend of mine telling me this. He felt that whatever the cops did to James Cameron must have been pretty bad because both of the, oh, or the two Terminator films that he directed are they, he really, really after them. strongly anti-police. I'm pretty good with it. I'm, right. I'm, that's probably my favorite parts. Um, so then they go, yeah, as you say, they mm. they go to a motel after they finally get away. They go to a motel. He says, I traveled through time for love. And then they have sex. And then, oops, John is consummated. 
thoughts, I've already said them. You're like saying I have thinking too much and I'm not. Uh, then the Terminator finds uh, Sarah by intercepting a call. She's trying to call home, call mm-hmm. mom. And he intercepts that call. They escape the motel. Now they're in a pickup. It pursues them on a motorcycle. Reese is shot uh, while throwing pipe bombs at the Terminator. Uh, and then they flip over. She knocks him off of his motorcycle, but then they she flips the truck that they're in. Not a good move. Don't if you guys if you can not flip the vehicle you're in, that's what you should do. Yeah. Um, Terminator is like fucked up at this point. Mm-hmm. We're seeing metal. We're seeing right. you know red eye. We're seeing we've seen him patch himself which, up a couple of by times. By the way, it's been very interesting. There were. Several different models that Winston used of the Terminator. Yeah. And one of those was just a close-up of the eye. He says the eye was much larger than he thought because they had the uh, the iris lens of, an, of a camera. Oh, yeah. That the they were using to be to, like this big or whatever, right. yeah. So I thought that was pretty funny. It's something like, okay, And now they're like super small. Right. But, yeah. At the time, really though. Funny. Yeah, no, that's no, the best thing. Yeah. yeah. That's what technology does over time. It just shrinks. Right, but it also is a testament to how they had to jerry-rig all of this stuff. All of it, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like um, when we see things like Pinocchio. Right. And they're like, yeah, we have the the Pinocchio-sized thing. And then we have a head that's as big as a room. Right, exactly. Because for close-ups and shit, you can't do a lot of detail on a tiny, tiny face. The scene with the hunter killer flying machines and the pile of skulls that you have the issue with. That's right. They call them HKs. Hunter killer. The, uh, the, the, I was listening to Gene Warren, who's the head of the, the fantasy to the effects company that did the, the visuals for this. He mentioned how that scene, there is a full size actual skull, not actual skull, but a skull in the foreground and then to give the illusion of distance, he keeps making progressively smaller miniatures as it goes further back so that it gives the impression that you're looking at a huge set when it's actually but just, you know, it's not particularly big or wide at all. So there are lots of shots like that, including the shot with the truck. Yeah. Which was, I think, eight feet long by... Two or three feet, two feet high, I think is what wow, he said. Wow, okay. And, the tanker truck. The, yeah, the, and it's very convincing. Yeah. He does a lot of really good work, or they did a lot of really great work with this Yeah, guy. so he hijacks the tanker truck mm. and attempts to run down Sarah, but then resides a pipe bomb into the tanker's hose tube, and there's an explosion on a tanker that's carrying fuel. Big, big explosion. Mm. Super big explosion. Uh, and then uh, that is what burns all of the flesh off of right. the Terminator. And now he's just a shiny skeleton walking around. And it follows them into a factory. There's a scene at the beginning with a forklift. And I thought, I was like, is this, is this foreshadowing? But it is not. Um, but it kind of is. And then they're sort of playing a sort of whack-a-mole and, and confuse the robot. They're kind of running in opposite directions and turning on various machineries. To confuse him, uh, he takes his last pipe bomb, which he had shown her how to make in the motel. So romantic. Uh, 
into the tummy, the tummy of the Terminator, and then he blows it apart, and also he blows himself apart. Oh, no! But then it's a still functional torso grabs Sarah, and then she uh, breaks free and then lures it to a press, and then squishy, squishy. She mashes it. Squishy, squishy, mashy. And then she's, a few months later, she's driving. She's got a Jeep. And a dog. And a dog. No iguana. Sad. And uh, she's driving through the desert, recording audio tapes for John, which we see later. Um, or, like, it, they yeah. reference that back later. We And then a little boy takes a picture of her, and it's the one that Kyle had mooned over for so many years before coming back to impregnate her. Gross. Okay. <laughs> you really focused on that. That and the skulls. I feel like it's not wrong of me to be no, focused on it. There's a there's a film called Time Rider, which was a when I was a kid, uh, where a guy goes back in time during experiment and he doesn't mean to, he's this is the dumb thing about that film. Oops. Uh he is caught in a government experiment. He's he's a motorcycle racer. He gets caught in some sort of time wave after a government experiment and goes back to the Old West where he's pursued by bandits and outlaws and things like that. And uh. he doesn't seem to realize until the very end that he's actually in the Old West. He thinks that he's just gone into sort of like the, the tiniest dirt water town in all of the Texas-Arizona border, I guess, or New Mexico border. Um, but one of the things about this film that really, to this day, why I can't watch it again, is that he mentions um, that uh, he has a necklace around his neck. You know, it's like uh, this woman who he makes love to at one point, or she makes love to him at gunpoint. It's a very strange scene. Uh, she's, she puts that him at gunpoint. problematic for a number of reasons. Right, uh-huh. but, but she puts him <laughs> at gunpoint and says, take off your clothes, Mr. Swan. Anyhow. Um, uh-uh. He, uh, afterwards, uh, while they're having pillow talk, she asks him about his necklace, and he says, well, that was because, you know, I got that from my grandmother, who, after a wild night with my granddad, brought, you know, my parents into the world, and blah, 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 blah. At the very end of the film, he's rescued by a helicopter, and this woman grabs his necklace, and it turns out she was his grandmother. And that one always creeps me out because I'm like... that story that's like... I'm my own grandma. You go back in time. You have a sex change. You did it in right, the life. This is, this yeah, what, like, all yeah. You Zombies, which is Robert Heinlein's story. Yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that one, that creeped me out for a lot of reasons, but it also creates like a paradox where, well, we'll in, in the case of like Time Rider, well, so who is his grandpa? Or you have this object, this necklace that existed because he got it from his grandparents, but at the same time, um, did it exist outside of this loop they've created? Or right. where does it come from? And, yeah. and so I think in this film, it, I'm a little bit more okay with it because it's not like his, his own grandpa. <laughs> I'm my own grandpa. grandpa. Like, it's, it's pretty... You had to know. Now... When he lands, is it Kyle that asks what year it is, or is it the Terminator? It's that Kyle. Asks what year is it? Yeah, I it think is. he asks what year it is. And by the way, that naked butt was not Schwarzenegger. <laughs> was not uh, Michael Bean. Oh, okay. And he says, "No, he got out of it." 
He said that was a stuntman, and he felt very bad because they were shooting an actual... They didn't have permits most of the time. They did they not have... on the fucking streets. They were fucking. on the streets. He says that alley is full of rats in L.A. He said that the stuntman was dropped from between two ladders on a plank. He was dropped five feet onto the cement. It looked like he landed right. from a distance. I was like, good damn. So he says, oh God, that guy probably got hurt doing that. It felt bad for him. He was naked. It was really... So the the only saving grace, I guess, is that they were shooting in the middle of summer, so it was just everyone was sweating ri- ridiculously. Mm-hmm. It was really overheated where they were. So, but but yeah, I feel when I heard that this poor guy dropped five foot five feet, ass naked, yeah, into an alley in into LA. Alley in that LA. just sounds Sucks. gross. Yeah, really so, gross. This movie is probably uh, you were saying earlier. You understand why this one comes so right. much, so much before on the list. We're doing it backwards, right? Mm-hmm. This movie is ranked more thrilling than Terminator Two, right? And you see why they did that. Maybe yeah. because we don't know what's going to happen because we haven't seen a Terminator before, right? I think that partly, well, the fact that in Judgment Day, the second Terminator movie, there's a lot more kind of not necessarily exposition, but there are a lot more moments where he's learning about how to be a human, and there's character moments, there's interactions with the kid and everything. This movie is kind of just very relentless in its both its pacing and what's supposed to happen. The Terminator's out to kill her. Yeah, she has to escape. Yeah, they're on a fucking so, schedule. Right. We gotta go. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. We're, we're moving. We gotta move. There is a sense of urgency. Right. And even though that exists with the second film it as does. well, this one... That's what the movie is. It's a sense of urgency. Yeah, it's... there's also a difference because there are kind of two targets right? instead of one target. Yeah. So you've got to split it off a little bit. So you're not going to be as high octane because you're going to be with somebody who's not in immediate... Until they get together, right. they're not in immediate danger. Both of them aren't in immediate danger, right? You're right. Gonna, you, so you have some time to kind of go... <sighs> Right. <laughs> Which, not not so much. And there's all sorts of sayings, oh, what what do you mean? Well, just blow them off. Say, that kind of thing. Those scenes, or the scenes with Sarah Connor and her psychiatrist and things like that, um, those scenes I do, kind of give you a he break. He also must not like, or maybe Gail doesn't like them, mm. psychiatrists, because they also fucking don't come out looking good. No, they don't. Good. It's always... She is clearly a loon and then d- dead. <laughs> well, on top of that, this psychiatrist, this recurring character in the series, is is really he he sees Kyle and says, I could get a book out of this. Like I could build a career off of this one guy's delusion. Yes. So he is an opportunist as well. He sees Feels this. Very as, much like the character in um uh, Sounds of the Lambs. Right. Yes. He does. The, the the psychiatrist character, who is very much not Hannibal Lecter. No. <laughs> um, who's very much looked down upon in that movie. And all, no matter who's playing him, he he gets short end of stick. And I do believe he is forced to eat his own brain in the last is movie. That, is it Chilton, right? He's yeah. played by Ray Liotta in Hannibal, and he is forced to eat his his own brain. Yeah, no. That's a thing that happens in the book. I didn't necessarily need to see it put on the screen. 
No, I was good. Just didn't. Read could, those books. I could use my imagination. Yep. I'm all set. Don't need to, don't need to see it. Uh, anything else about the Terminator? No, no. Actually, did you find it thrilling? I, I, you found it thrilling. Yes, I found it thrilling. I did. It does belong on the list? Absolutely. More so than The Wizard of Oz. But, yeah, yeah no, I'm not going to fight you over that. So that brings us to the end of March. Mm. So Mar- what's what's We close out March. And next up, in April, we're going to have one repeat. Okay. Um, but we're going to start with a fresh movie, uh-huh. uh, which is Dirty Harry from oh. 1971. A film that I'm going to be honest right now, I am not looking forward to watching. Okay, I do not enjoy Clindy's. Here's what you do, or what I would suggest. Okay. Is it very long? No. Okay. Wow. What? What I would suggest is um, trying to separate this character and everything from... Oh, I will. Yeah. But I don't... I don't find Clint Eastwood mm -hmm. to be a compelling actor. Hmm. I find Clint Eastwood to be Clint Eastwood every time I see him on screen. Mm. And that's, like, not my jam. Mm. There are certain people who fall into that, and I'm like, but it's good. And there are people who I I just, not, it's not my jam. So, I'm open-minded. This is a very famous, very popular movie and series. I have never seen any of them. They were a big deal so at my house I am growing up. looking yeah. forward to filling a hole in my movie history. Right. So for that... Yeah, if, if for no other reason <laughs> than the fact that Andy Robinson is one of the great villains in film history. Can you explain to me why this is a Christmas release? This movie came out... That movie came I out December no 23rd, idea. 1971. Right. The 70s? Rough, fucking. They bad. were really rough, right? Yeah, they were. They, it's it's um. There was a. We were watching a documentary on why Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory did yeah. not become successful as a film, and they mentioned well, it was released around the same time as films like The Godfather and Deliverance and fucking essentially and right. Shit. Yeah, just these very intense, very dog day afternoon. We've been through the seventies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was a really rough. Yeah, it's a rough time. time. I know. But so the fact that this is a Christmas release is right. fucking wild. But you know, if if no other reason, you'll enjoy also the fact that you'll get to see San Francisco. It's also in San Francisco in the seventies, right. which I yeah I I will enjoy that. Uh, then we will have a bit of a break on our end um, mm. because number forty on this list is two thousand one, A Space Odyssey, which is such a beautiful. It's film. a beautiful film. So mm. we'll do a little talk about. Thrilling, and then we will it, move on. We won't talk about intellectually it today. thrilling. We won't talk about it today. Yeah. Then we will be watching Die Hard, the original Die Hard from okay. 1988, which is going to make me sad a little bit. I think I just saw today that um, is it Demi released some footage of him celebrating his most recent birthday with his family. And I'm like, I don't know that I want to see it. Cause now it turns out he's got basically early onset Alzheimer's, which is why he was having aphasia. And I'm Mm -hmm. just like, I don't know that we deserve to see his decline. Like, I feel like he should get to do this in private, do that in private. Like being famous doesn't mean that you have to. Right. And I, he may be totally fine with it, but I actually don't know that anyone knows yeah. his feeling on it. So it feels to me real intrusive 
to... I didn't need to see Sean Connery go through dementia. Yeah. I, it's like, you know what? I have this memory of this guy. Yeah. And what he meant to me as a person. But, and but so, especially dementia when you right. don't know whether they even want... Right, exactly. They, they really, at a certain point, mm-hmm. someone with a, a specific, a certain level of dementia can't consent. Yeah. Unless it's explicit current consent. And even then, in five minutes, they may not remember that they gave that consent. Right, exactly. So it just feels to me like dementia. People with dementia and children just leave them alone. Leave them off the internet. They, right. they. Let's not. <laughs> they, like babies, also did not ask to be put on the internet and probably wouldn't consent to. But so we'll be watching Die Hard, and finally we'll be watching 1946's Notorious, which I believe that you told me was not. A Hitchcock film. It is, in fact, a no, Hitchcock, Hitchcock film. Okay, because I thought I asked you if that was one of them, oh, okay. and you said Perhaps no. I misunderstood. <laughs> no, it's a Hitchcock film. It it's... is a Hitchcock film with a bunch of famos in it. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I've ever really seen it. Cary Grant, Ingrid Bergman, Claude Rains. Those are the names I know. So that um, will be our final April film, four movies in April. Okay. Uh, long, it was a long month this month. Mm. We had five five movies, but only four in April. So that will be our April. Dirty Harry, 2001 A Space Odyssey, Die Hard, and Notorious. <laughs> All over the place. We don't have two of the same. No. Not uh, like when we have decades, boxing movies. We don't have two. Like, this is, it's going right. to be very, very different. I'm very excited to see... One of my favorite Alan Rickman performances. That would be the upside to Die Hard. It's also very sad. It is. Because you no longer have Alan Rickman and, you know. But he had a long, full life and uh, not, you know, sad for him, really. Um, So that is our April. And until then, uh, do you have anything you'd like to recommend to anybody? Yes. um, And I'm sure you might have similar feelings about it. This week of me saw a movie called R-R-R-R. It's called R-R-R. I don't know. I'd I've been told for a year to see this movie, right. and I waited, and I'm sad about it. I'm not sad about it. I'm glad that I watched it. It is, I think, and I mentioned this to you this morning, I put it there with a year of movies that, Includes every, everything everywhere all at once, which we saw last year, I think. At the yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, about a year. We saw it right. early, yeah, so we saw it about a year ago. It's just really, really outrageous and wild and funny, and it has all those same sort of elements of just celebrating its own outrageousness. It is a wild, wild movie, and it should be seen rather than described. Yeah. It's um, a... There's a Rotten Tomatoes uh-huh. review. I just looked up RRR on Google, and it's like, is RRR really a good movie? Because, you guys, you may want to watch it with subtitles. We watched it in Hindi with subtitles. Right. There's a lot of English in it anyways. Right, there's not a lot of English. Um, you can watch it dubbed, uh-huh. so you don't have to watch it subtitled. I recommend watching movies subtitled, but whatever. Um, the Bonanza with a cast of what looks to be thousands and a storyline about getting back at colonizers is a blast throughout its three-hour-plus runtime. 
Correct. <laughs> that is an accurate. It is a film assessment. that doesn't flag. It seems to move. It's almost like a Bond movie in that it moves from set piece to set piece mm-hmm. to set piece, only with a very little transition in between. Sometimes you're just suddenly in the middle of another really outrageous action scene, and that's something that did remind me of of everything everywhere all at once, which is you pull out all the stops and you just do you go for where the story goes. And the end result is you can like that other film. You can go, is it an action movie? Yes. Is it a martial arts film? Yes, it is. Is it a musical? Yes, it is. Is it a romance? Yes, it is. It's one of those things that ticks off so many boxes. Yeah. Um, Intoxicatingly over the top. Right. And that's that's kind of it. By the end of the film, you're going, oh, they're doing that. Okay, I can. And I don't. I can watch buy that. A lot of Indian movies, mm-hmm. which is probably to my detriment mm. because they've been doing it as long as we've right. been doing it, basically, and they have a bigger setup than we do. India has one of the largest film, it's second or like, third in the world. It's cultures, like, yeah, it, yes, the film producing cultures, film producing studios. It's like um. India, Hong Kong, <coughs> they actually have as many facilities as we do here. Yeah. And they still have a kind of a studio system. Yes, they do. So they're um, able to produce these amazing movies. And the actors are so good. Right. Both of these actors, although for the first what, hour and a half, I'm like, why are you caping so hard for these fucking colonizers? You find out. It's fine. Because I don't know these characters. These are like cultural Right, they're icons. based on actual people. They're based on actual people, freedom fighters, uh-huh. um, but that never met in real life. And the filmmaker learned about them and was like, what if they met and were friends? Right. <laughs> and that is, that's literally the movie that he makes. He's like, what if... Paul Bunyan and... <laughs> right, and... Uh, what's his name? Um, the dude with the ham. John Henry. Yes, John Henry. Paul Bunyan and John Henry. Like, that is the kind of... Or Johnny Apple. Like, these are larger-than-life. Mm-hmm. They're based on real men, but they are, yes. as history does, larger-than-life. Like, I mean... There's By the punching end of the film, tigers. There's just straight-up punching, punching a tiger. tiger. There's punching a tiger with a wolf. Um, there is... Uh, one so point. like tool for the job. I don't know why. Like, one of the characters weird. seems to become the incarnation of Rama or possibly Shiva. I don't know. It's the film is just wild, and it it's what I like about it is it celebrates its own culture. It's not pandering, in a way, to Western tastes as much as it is, and it really as as much as other films from India sometimes do, um, and it also. Uh, it really is very anti-colonial. It's remarkably, uh, it's it sticks it to the man. Yeah, yeah, which is just gratifying as hell, anyway. Right. Yeah. Um. They got Ray Stevenson to be the man. Right. Who's very good at being the man. And whoever plays his bitch wife. <laughs> That's Alison Duty, who was the the Nazi uh, uh, the Nazi sympathizer in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. This bitch. She's also really good at great. being a fucking colonizer, a horrible person, right, bad Boston. white woman, Karen to the extreme. <laughs> She's terrible. And it's great to see what happens. It's, it's a really fun, and it's not also, there's a... Uh, I like the fact that they cover the sort of wide spectrum of people in the film because not all the white folks in the film are evil. 
there are some sympathetic characters. There are mostly it's portrayed as though, yes, this picture of this is what it's like to be a colonized person. and This is how you rise up. But uh, yeah, the whole film is really, really fun. And yeah. on top of everything else. I, I didn't... And it's, it's, you can watch it at home, right? right. So it's, it is three and a hours and five minutes long. We paused it several times. I ate a meal and then had dessert. Like there was, right. it, we were able to break it up, but we watched it all at once. We watched right. it all in the same, same sitting. And it did remind me in some ways, I mentioned it at the time, it reminded me of Ben-Hur in some yes. ways, in that it was part of that school of big, but big like, movies. Way bigger though. That just <laughs> keep running. You know, it's yes. like, we're not going to, we're going to just keep going. Yeah. We're going to go from this action to action to action. And there's yeah. 40 minutes before the RRR comes up on screen. Right. That's a long, cold open. It's got three separate sections right. in it. Yeah. It's. There's flashbacks. There's all sorts of. Yeah. It's, it's really an, an interesting film. But it was fun. It was just a lot yeah. of fun. And it's beautiful. Yeah. And like I said, the actor, both of the main actors are so good. Right. They're so good. Uh, they won the Academy Award for Best Song, and they gave a great song. They gave a great dance performance at the Did Oscars. They? As a matter of fact, I haven't watched the Oscars. Yes, yet. they no. actually leave the podium and start dancing in the aisles, and people are dancing with them. It was nice. really cute. I mean, it's infectious. It's a, yeah, yes, it's, yeah. yeah, it is. Uh, so that is. It? I recommend that movie too, and it's three hours long, so I don't think we need a second recommendation <laughs> this week. Spend those three hours watching this film. Next up, Dirty Harry, everyone. Dirty Harry. I believe it is on HBO Max. Uh-huh. Um did you have you recorded it for us? Um, no, it's it's in HBO Max. It's uh, we have it. It is, okay. Apart. I was like, mm, oh no. Is it? No, it isn't. Well, we're gonna it have is. to rent it. No, I don't see it. But it might be uh it might be on demand or something. But right now I'm just seeing it rentable. So we may have to rentable it. Oh. Yeah. There's a link but it doesn't work to HBO Max. So they may have just biffed it for tax purposes because nothing is sacred. Not that I think this this necessarily would be, but and so we're watching Dirty Harry from nineteen seventy one, not Magnum Force, Sudden Impact, The Enforcer, or The yeah. Deadpool. Those are the the, the following movies. It's a franchise. Are, okay. Mm-hmm. Is this the movie where he says, go ahead, make my day? No, or is that one, one of the he later He has a okay. line in every film. Oh, okay. All this right. is Do You Feel Lucky. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. All right, cool. All right, so that's next week. Um, until then, if you have questions or comments or concerns... You can email us at latecomerspod at gmail.com or you can find us on Facebook by searching for Latecomers Podcast in the search bar. We're also still on Twitter in as much as we ever have been. And I would like to remind you to please, please take care of yourself and take all of your medicines. And we'd like to remind you... Better, better late, late than, than never. never.